Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Pain and Power podcast. This month's episode is called August is the New July. We're flying through the podcast. And it's funny that uh, we've done what? This is our eighth podcast of the year. And mm-hmm. um, we've been quite consistent consistent with it. And uh, that is the topic of today's podcast, being consistent. So, Andy... What were you consistent with the last month? I th- so, firstly, thank you for having me. Secondly, thank you for being consistent. Awesome, you can count to eight. I didn't realise we'd done that many podcasts. Um, and it's uh, I find it really curious that actually um, this thing about consistency needs to transcend into literally every aspect of our lives. So what have I been consistent about in the past month? Um if I was to say delivering my PT sessions, my uh, interactions with my clients as consistently and as best I can, holding myself accountable to the highest possible standards, simple things like turning up on time, yeah. giving people the opportunity to speak and listen, showing curiosity, being kind, helping people find hope, and Actually, one of the things that I've come to realise at the ripe old age of 41 is that there's one thing that I am really good at, and that is being consistent. And for many people, that means boredom. For many people, that becomes tiresome. But actually, it is a quality of mine that I will do the stuff that I say I do. So my word is is my word. I value my own word to myself a lot and I value my own word to other people a lot. And I am completely consistent around that. So one of my big passions is that we are as good as our word. Okay? And if we can't keep our word to ourselves, we can't keep our word to anybody else. So being consistent with the internal dialect, the conversation with ourselves helps us show up authentically when we're coaching our clients. So all of those things like running business, being on time, um, you know, communicating with clients consistently, supporting them through their journey, always giving timely responses, trying to create clarity um, and actually holding myself accountable for my own actions. Uh, And one of the big things for me at this point is over this summer, my consistency with my visits to the gym and the following my physio's advice has been absolutely massive. And I'm going to say through that consistency in the gym, my body hangs better together. (laughs) That, That might seem like a funny turn of phrase. As a result, I feel better. I'm able to do more for myself and for other people. So it's it's the foundational stuff. And uh, I find that's what is a struggle in today's society amongst my client base. How do we be consistent when the curveballs are coming at us thick and fast? And that will come back to mindset. And so you've been consistent with your, your word, but... You've been consistent with your word for a long time. So is there anything new that you've been consistent with? No, uh, that's that's interesting. So I am relatively new. 
it's ingrained into you now. It's it's your habit. So it's it's, your, it's a value. It's something that I that yeah. truly truly matters to me. Is that if I say I'm going to contact a client, I'm going to contact a client. If I say I'm going to be with a client at ten a.m., I'm going to be with that client at ten a.m. If I say I'm going to research something that I my knowledge is not up to scratch on, I'm going to research that and I'm going to message that client. I'm going to call that client. I'm going to WhatsApp that client. And I think that is our difficulty. How do we create consistency without boredom? Um, the, the thing that I've been most consistent with in the past month would be my gym work through a structure. So I think it's really, really easy to go, right, this is my plan. I'm going to do um, upper body twice a week in the gym. I'm going to do lower body twice a week in the gym, and I'm going to do core twice a week in the gym. But I think it's really easy on any one day to go, do you know what? I'm not going to do that today. I'm either not going to go to the gym or I'm not going to train legs consistently. And therefore, my results are inconsistent. And so is my motivation, which means at some point I'm going to give up. It's it's funny that you, you brought the gym one because um, I have one of these these little boards. I have one of these out in the gym. I love a board. I love a board as well. But uh, there's about three of them in this room. But every day I went out last month in July and when I would finish my workout, put a little X. Yeah. And I thought, I actually thought that I was training a lot more, but it was, it, I totted it up and it was four times a week. But in my head, I was thinking, oh, I was training like five, six times a week. But it was actually four times. Now, four is consistent, but I thought I was doing more. So it's funny when you have something written down and you're there, there in front of you that like, that marker doesn't lie. Every time you're out there, you put a little X. And I think that's the case. You know, in order for us to create consistency, we have to measure consistency. We have to be clear about what consistency is. And one of the most valuable things that I've picked up as, as a kind of thought is that um, our perspective has very little to do with our reality. So... What you did is you went from your perspective, I think I'm training five or six days a week, lack of clarity, to monitoring that brought clarity. So you're consistently at four and you're now aware at this point you can take action to go up to five if that's something that you truly value. Or if you're happy at four, you can stick with it. But you know you're consistent about four. So the way we think and the way that we feel is not, going to be terribly close to what our reality is, which is why tracking stuff is why food logging works. It's why food plans work. It's why it, it literally is why structure works is because it gives us an opportunity to, to create awareness, to understand our level of consistency on our stimulus, which will impact our results. So there's so much more inconsistency that we need to think about. And tracking is one of the most powerful ways of doing it. Because if you believe something is happening that actually isn't happening, it's no wonder you're not getting the results you expected. And saying that, you also have to be consistent and put a bit of purpose into actually, say, just for exercise is probably the easiest. But... Like you can go and you can do a squat or you can go and you can go and brace and get tight and think about, right, what muscles am I working or whatever when you're like getting that mind-muscle connection as well and actually 
learning the movement. Movements is it's a skill, yeah. just like anything else. You can put intent into it, or you can just go willy nilly go and and do your workout. You see people in the gym, especially with a plank, and they're holding the plank, and they're like do do do. Look at their watch. Oh yeah, one minute. I'm doing great. And then other people are driving their elbows down and they their core tight and they're fucking shaking after 20 seconds. And you're like, yeah. hey, that guy or girl, they're doing it right. So, yeah, intention is is quite important, isn't it? Now, let's be fair. Consistency first, then intensity, then progression. If we do that arse about face <laughs> and you're not ready to hold a, a proper plank for a minute, and you go in and you do it, good chance you're, you're not going to train again that week because you'll be in discomfort. You'll have delayed osteo muscle soreness often, overstimulus. So consistency, intensity, progression, and that's all. that all becomes acutely um, valuable when we're tracking what we're actually doing. And there, there will be some days where you go into the gym and you're not feeling it. Yeah. But it goes back to that adage that quote and i can't remember where it came from but being consistent ruthlessly consistent is better than being rarely perfect and that's really where we need to be thinking because we're not trying to create perfect we're trying to create consistency we're trying to create reality we're trying to create practice and from practice we be we become able to progress Yes. So consistent, or sorry, yeah, consistency was first. Intensity or intention? Uh, I'm not. Are the two interchangeable? <laughs> when I when I think of intensity, though, I think of oh, push it. When I think of intent, I think of a more meditative state. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why the words that we use and. and all of the words that we use in our in our uh, in our conversation are subjective, aren't they? Your understanding of the word intention and intensity are different. Mine might argue it's the same. What I would say when it comes to movement is learn not just to practice creating shapes, but feel what you're doing. Okay, so we can bridge, for instance, not feel our glutes. We can overextend and just go into our back and then yeah. we're doing a back bend, which look is, is good as well. But if you want to train your glutes, but there's better yeah, ways. Yeah. Getting back into hyperextension or hyperflexion is going to help some people. It's not going to help others. Uh, but actually, what is it that we're trying to create with the exercise that we're doing? And that's, that's our role is to be able to say to our clients, what are you feeling in that movement and get them better at feeling Okay. Are you feeling your glutes? No. Okay. Are you feeling your hamstrings? No. Okay. If you're not feeling your glutes and your hamstrings in a in a bridge, chances are you're feeling your lower back. And if you're not feeling anything at all other than movement, there is no intention. There's no awareness. And I think I think that's really, really key with what we do is asking clients how effective is that movement at doing the job that we intend yeah and explaining to them as well so you like you're not just doing say like a chest fly you're 
that's the movement of the chest. The, ch the, uh, the chest does this. It brings the arm across the body. Yeah. You know? so we're not just down there talking away. Oh, yeah, I was watching the match there last night. Yeah, yeah, they should have won. You're thinking about small bend the elbow, bringing it across the chest. This is what the the chest does. Yeah. Now you're lengthening the muscle, now you're shortening it. Yeah. And, and then you also need to be thinking about what's happening on the back of the body. Yeah. Because there's movement happening there as well. The front of the body doesn't move without the back of the body moving. Exactly. Then and like, then depending on whether you're sat down or what position your feet are in, what's your core doing? Yeah. And then that's when you, when you start teaching them the, the breakdown of a movement, say like of a, a bench press. They're like, fuck, this is a full body movement. <laughs> so right. actually what we're testing there is the effectiveness of the movements that we're prescribing and supporting our clients in creating because you can replicate a movement and never actually truly understand what's happening in your body. If you don't, if you, if the stimulus is inaccurate, then you won't be able to progress very quickly. Yeah. So the art is an execution, but I would say, you know, for anybody that's listening, and I think it's really important to break this down, you know, we're not looking to support, other personal trainers necessarily with this podcast but more our clients so we can be consistent in so many ways aside from purely the gym yeah, and and some months ago there was an awful lot of content on social media about microdosing about self-care um we're not talking about consistently beating ourselves up we're talking about consistently investing in ourselves now that I can ask my client to do uh, his physio exercises. Have you done your exercises today, John? It's going to get me one response. No. Have you taken care of your back today, John? He's going to get a different response. Yeah. So sometimes we've got to change the way that we're conversing to make this thing appealing. Good point, yeah. Because I, like, I mightn't have done my physio exercises today but I have a cushion at my back here at my desk because I know it's going to support my lumbar spine mm -hmm. in a way that I've, I've got some movement in or, or I'm yeah. supporting myself that way. Yeah. Right, It's not the physio exercises, but at least it's the first micro step. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then, you know, if we're, going to, if we're going to talk about the reason why we have, why did we get a physio involved? Why did you go to physio for your back, Sean? I didn't. I was just. I was just going along with your explanation. Why would you? Why would you employ a physio? Because um, I don't know how to fix it. Fix what? Same reason I'd get a mechanic to look at my car. What are you fixing with the physio? Whatever is wrong. What's the symptom of what's wrong? Well, I did say, say before I did have problem with my uh, T four T three T four pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So comfort, pain. Asking asking somebody whether they've done their physio exercises is one thing. Well, no, because I'm a busy guy and I sit at a desk for eight hours a day and I've got a sales target of five hundred grand a year and I've got to pay my bills. Well, that's one question. Asking your client whether they've done done movement to support themselves getting out of pain so that they can have a better life is a different scenario. And that goes back to questions not only we ask ourselves but others yeah. like a coach yeah because and we, being able to probe beyond the surface 
Yeah. We need to go from exercise to what we know that client truly values. And that's that's something that sometimes a, only a coach or a mentor or whoever, someone outside of your immediate circle can see. Because you're not going to go to your loved one or whoever and say, have you done your exercises to support your back today? Fuck off, I'm watching telly. <laughs> Do you know? But if somebody outside your immediate circle asks you, maybe you have to probe a bit deeper. You have to use your five or seven whys or whatever that technique is and and peel away the onion. And you've also then got to look at why am I getting that response? I'm getting that response because of the way in which I asked the question. The way in which I asked the question didn't appeal to the person being questioned. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So it's like an inward looking, okay, that wasn't the response I was looking for. I need to ask that question in a slightly different way. And so when we talk about consistency, we absolutely will be consistent with the things that we value. Okay. And we need to stay finely attuned and finely aware of that thing that we value constantly. How do we stay attuned to that? Uh, we literally look for the things that we've, we're trying to achieve in our life. So we ask ourselves, what's the problem with where I've come from? Am I willing to change my actions today so that my future is better? If you And most people will value getting out of pain, but some people will be so consistently experiencing pain, they'll become comfortable with pain. Yeah. It's I'm used to suffering pain. This is what I do. Part of their identity. They nearly yeah. like it. Yeah. And the same goes for all of us in terms of um, a lot of people that want to lose weight will fear losing their friends because it's part of their identification. They've always been the fat, funny person. So, so in order to change that, actually risks my identity. Yes. And it's funny. Um, yeah, this is the first time I'm announcing this outside of my immediate circle. But uh, me and a friend, um, we'll be doing a podcast on it soon enough. Um, we're going to give up the the beer, the drink. Um, we're going to do one year, no beer, no alcohol. That's the first time I've said it live. So, um, yeah. but I'll hold you to that, Sean. It's not even like, like I love an old pint or a whiskey or whatever, but like, it's not even that. It's, it's the going to the pub with my friends. Oh, what do you, what are you having? You having a Guinness? Yeah, not a bother. I'll get you out there. Oh, it's your round and all the banter, really. It's not like, what are you having? I'll have another Fanta. It's like, do you know, but it's one of those things, isn't it, where you go, actually, I can do that. I have the power to make that choice and there will be a lot of learning in that. There will be so much learning. Now, I knew somebody went vegetarian to just experience what it is. How does it feel? How restrictive is it? How much change do you have to make? How consistent with it can I be? Am I going to struggle not eating meat? What's the consequence of that? How is that going to impact my social circles? And That's it will. Because now you can get every other thing that tastes like meat. You want rashers? They taste, taste like meat? No problem. Sausages? Yeah, we got these fake sausages too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? If you value not harming animals and you're willing to put that at the forefront of your focus when you're making your food choices because you value it, you will be able to be consistently vegetarian. It's built on your values. 
I value not harming my liver for the next year. And again, you go kind of look at that and go, what's in it for me? You know, when we are consistently, I had a conversation with a client last night. Um, I was teaching a box size class and uh, we do chat and we talk about health and we talk about struggles and we talk about uh, the client that I was working with was able to lose a stone and a half, but has put on five pounds. Okay, what's the reason for that inconsistency around your actions? Why is that? Because I'm not resilient enough. Okay, so now we need to work on the emotional side of stuff. Or we have to simply learn to say to ourselves, I haven't prioritised weight loss in this period, and I'm at peace with that. I'm ready to reprioritise. I like the way you put that because, say, at the weekend, I know I had a long hike or whatever and, and got out in the fresh air, but, like, I was I ate out like I think four times over the weekend because I was away. Uh, mm -hmm. Had some pints, do you know, and some there was loads of um, burn fudge in the house. So we yeah. went through that uh, last night and yesterday as well. But um, I know that like I wasn't consistent, do you know. So I'm not gonna like wake up and be ripped this morning. <laughs> or yeah, and, and also, but also you haven't put on. Uh, two pounds of adipose tissue. You're not carrying two pounds of fat. You're carrying two pounds of sugar yeah. that's holding water. Exactly. It, like it's not. You, know, so it, you, you kind of got to re-initiate the way that you're thinking about something. The fact is, you chose to eat fudge. Exactly. Fine. I actually. Uh, what will be a consequence to that? Either right now. That looks weird. Mm. It looks like you're eating frog spawn. It's Oreos. Oreo fudge. Okay. Mm. When you come over, and I think like in that conversation last night that I had with my clients, I did I realised just how important consistency is. Uh, if you want to run a business, you're going to have to be consistent. If you want to lose weight, you're going to have to be consistent. If you want to get an education, you want to get a degree, you want to go to school, you want to get GCSEs. You want to get A-levels, it's going to be down to consistency. If you want to learn to drive, you're going to have to get in the car and you're going to have to learn consistently. Consistency is everything. Problem is that sometimes along the way we get a bit bored and then we're challenged around our motivation. That's why um, it is great to have a goal and that's why some, some people, they will basically sprint. They'll do like, right, I have to learn learn this. And they'll just study for, say, like a week straight instead yeah. of and then take a few days off or whatever, instead of the, OK, I'll study an hour a day for two weeks. They'll study like three hours a day for a week. Yeah. My, my question is, would if you were cramming and, and the same principle applies to kind of transformational processes in, in the health and fitness industry, is that if you cram, are you actually learning? Or are you parrot fashioning? So can you answer the question? Is one thing that will get you a that will get you an outcome from your examination. But if you don't understand, then you're going to get a different output. Okay. So and in and in our world, that's bit, a bit like transformation. So you can transform your composition and the way you present, the way you look in twelve weeks. But you're going to have to cram a lot into that twelve weeks. 
But if you simply go through the steps for 12 weeks, there's no real value. There's no education. There's no learning. There's no principles driving what you've learned. You've just done. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you can take your time a little bit longer and you can understand the principles that got you to your outcome on your transformation, then those are principles that you can re-engage at any point in the future. So can a transformation be truly life-changing, life-transforming? Yes, it can. But only if you're willing to engage on the principles rather than simply the steps. So you've got to go a layer deeper. You've got to understand what's going on. Yeah. And we've all done stuff like that in the past where you've done a course or in school, you just learn something off and then you mm-hmm. go in, get do your test and you get whatever marks in it and you're happy oh, past that, tick the box. And I, and I would go as far as to say, you know, when I studied personal training 10 years ago, literally is 10 years ago now, I did have to learn it parrot fashion. But in delivering personal training for 10 years, I actually understand. Yeah. When you observe a body and you work with people every single day of the week, you understand, you develop an understanding based on principle. Simply passing a test is not enough. You have to get out and you have to cut your teeth, seeing, watching people move, listening to their concerns and helping and I, I still to this day will have people that did their qualifications with me 10 years ago. They've not practiced those skills. And they'll come along and they'll say, how do you run a successful personal training business? 10 years of blood, sweat and tears of practice, of getting stuff wrong, of continued learning. And it's the same principle for all of us. It, and that, and that apply, that's a life skill is, OK, I need to go a little bit deeper to actually understand what I'm learning. And going back to kind of consistency is that if we learn consistently, then we can start to understand. But if we're just going to buy that diet plan off the shelf, we're just going to follow it parrot fashion. We're not actually building our knowledge, our principles. We're not developing ourselves. We're just following a set of instructions. Like it's, you're, you're not ideal furniture. Yeah, exactly that. Consistency is all about learning. It's about keep going. It's about trusting what you truly value. It's about having faith in a process over a period of time. It's not about quick result. And I would say that's one of the most important things we can do is learn to enjoy the journey, learn to enjoy the struggles, learn to enjoy the failures. You can learn to enjoy failure if you ask yourself the right question. So on on that note, any any final uh, tips on being consistent? Uh, a moment of inward looking, I would say, to, to really get to the point where you understand why consistency is so important. And it doesn't necessarily have to be fitness lifestyle orientated. But for anybody that's listening, I would ask yourself, what is the biggest achievement in your life? What is the thing that you're proudest of? And then ask yourself, how long did it take me? What steps did I have to practice consistently? If I hadn't practiced those steps consistently, would I have got the outcome? Would I have achieved that thing that I'm most proud of? And you can do that with all sorts of things. I asked a client the other day, he's got a one-year-old son. 
Excuse my phone. I asked Sorry. a client the other day, um, how long did it take you to have your son? And I'm not talking about conception. I'm not talking about the actual act itself. 30 seconds. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said nine months. That was his first response was nine months, right? So conception, pregnancy, child arrives. That is probably the tip of the iceberg. And I, you had to meet your wife. You had to realise that you were going to uh, going to have children with her. You also had to spend a period of time meeting people and dating. Yeah, and you might have started that at the age of 16 and he's now 40. Okay, so now we've just realised that in order to have a child is not a nine-month process. It could be the best part of 25 years. So there's always much more going on beyond the surface. Same goes for me. How did I lose eight and a half stone? Two years of hard work, 15 years of follow-up hard work. I didn't lose, I didn't lose eight and a half stone in, in two years. I had to get myself to the point where I was ready to in, in, in invest in that journey. Uh, what other things? I'm mostly proud. One of my biggest achievements is getting on the property ladder. Right. How long did that take you? Well, we were looking for property for about six months before we found this one. That's part of the journey. You always, you also had to raise a deposit, which meant you had to you had to be saving up for ten years in order to earn the income that saved your deposit. You needed to qualify at university twenty years ago. In order to go to university, you needed to go to secondary school. In order to go to secondary school, you had to go to primary school. In order to go to primary school, you had to have the support of your parents. We are way, way, way too superficial when we look at our achievements. We don't give ourselves credit for consistency. We should be measuring consistency rather than success. And we should be ready to fail and learn from failure. That is what I would say. On that, on that bombshell, <laughs> it is time to end the show. <laughs> um, Andy, thanks a million for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Shorter podcast, but um, nonetheless, uh, loads of value in there. And um, as always, if anyone wants to support the podcast, myself and Andy, click on the button in the the show notes and uh, you can buy us coffee and we will eventually meet in person uh, if he ever comes over to the west of Ireland. Or if, I uh, or if Sean over, ever comes to the southeast of England. The lovely Brighton, uh, which I really want to go to. You can come and get that wax, but we'll, uh, that's a that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's uh, that was an awful. <laughs> <story. laughs> thank um, you, Sean. Always a pleasure. Let's do it again next month. Yes, thank you, sir. Bye, bye, everybody. <laughs>